Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Excited because it's football eve in my home state of Tennessee. This is Outkick the Show. I am shortly going to be headed... um, I'm excited about this, up to Knoxville to go uh, dive in to the start of the college football season. Uh, We'll be live tomorrow, so I flipped my pen there, at the Old City Sports Bar uh, in downtown Knoxville. Uh, The Outkick 360 will be there. I will join them for the final hour of the show, and I cannot wait to be able to dive in and be Uh, ready for college football season to be here. So I'm going to give you my gambling picks here shortly. Uh, 11 gambling picks. I'm going to go 11-0. This is just how I roll. Going to make a lot of money. Time to tap the vein. Blood bank, all that coming your way. But I want to start with the story. Our crew at OutKick has done a fabulous job on this story. And my general perspective on any of these viral stories where it's like, Somebody said something mean to me in the crowd and everybody loses their mind. And my general position is be a little bit skeptical. We can cover the initial story. This is the way that that I kind of talk in general on all these stories because I've seen so many of them now. So the BYU volleyball player, uh, volleyball match, I should say. So for those of you who don't know, I believe there's over 5,000 people, which is stunning to me, credit to BYU, who come to watch a BYU versus Duke women's volleyball game. And a Duke player, a black woman uh, on the team, says that there was somebody yelling racial slurs at her. Her godmother publishes this uh, on social media. It takes off like wildfire. BYU kind of caught flat-footed, doesn't really know what to say. They've kicked somebody out but they don't say that they kicked them out for using racial slurs. And this story is everywhere. You cannot escape it. And then what ends up happening is slowly much of this story begins to unravel, as many of these stories do. People go back and they watch the entire volleyball match, listen to the audio. They say, hey, if you heard anybody using racial slurs, share the videos that you took. Share uh, the audio that you have. Share evidence that this actually occurred. Now, this is long after everybody in the media, particularly the sports media, has accepted this as truth. And now it's been several days since, and the BYU police have conducted an investigation. They can't find any evidence of any racial slurs. The BYU student newspaper has conducted an investigation. They can't find any evidence. And it emerges now that one of the, uh, the godmother has got a sort of history of saying all sorts of racially charged things on social media. And all of this is kind of spiraling together to the point now where 
the acceptance that BYU had racist fans who were taunting a Duke uh, black volleyball player has been totally accepted by the media, and there isn't a shred of actual corroborating evidence that this ever occurred. And in fact, there's no footage, there's no audio. And what I would say to you about this in general is, if there were over 5,000 fans present at a BYU volleyball game, and someone in the crowd was screaming racial slurs loud enough to be heard on the volleyball court by at least one player. Wouldn't there be video of this? Everyone in there has a phone pretty much in their hands. The surest way to go viral with one of your videos is by finding someone, if we've learned anything, behaving inappropriately and immediately putting it up on social media. So... My question out here is, why does this keep happening? Why is there such a demand to believe these stories that we don't require any investigations at all? And more often than not, these stories collapse when you actually ask questions. Remember people got mad at me for the LeBron James racist graffiti on his gate story in Brentwood, California, a wealthy neighborhood? in LA. LA police investigated whether there were racial slurs on LeBron James's gate and determined that no crime had occurred. There was no crime, no prosecution, no evidence that anything had happened. That story just completely disappeared. What about Michael Sam? Remember when Michael Sam claimed that he had been racially profiled in a Las Vegas casino and then all the video came out and you could see him behaving uh, in a uh, in a suspicious way when there were rumors that a shooting had occurred. And that story just vanishes. Certainly, outside the world of sports, Jussie Smollett is most famous for this because of the allegations that he made. And all I would say is the media's obligation, and I'm a part of the media, is to get things right. And... So far, it appears that the media treated this story as truth, completely maligned BYU, and now it seems, at least based on all of the evidence being analyzed, that this just didn't happen. Now, if I'm wrong, and if there is at some point going to be audio or video that emerges that proves that this was going on, certainly it shouldn't occur, right? You should not use racial slurs, period. Certainly, you should not use racial slurs at sporting events. Like, this is not complicated. Everyone should know not to do this, okay? If you're out there and you're like, should I do this or not? The answer is no. But similarly, we shouldn't create stories without there being evidence to support it and use it to attack BYU and everyone affiliated with BYU when there's no evidence that it actually occurred at all. I give credit. We got a lot of people now that work at OutKick. Thanks to you guys, we are going to set an all-time record by football season. We're going to be one of the five or ten biggest sports sites on the entire internet. That's how big we are getting. 
And that's a credit to a lot of our guys and girls doing fantastic work on the site. But I got to tell you, the fact that OutKick is probably going to be the only sports site that will even cover the fact that there's no evidence this ever occurred is an utter indictment of sports media overall, right? I mean, the fact that this is in any way possible is a failure of the sports media to handle the most basic journalistic practices. Now, we covered the allegation. People out there are like, you don't even care. We covered the allegation. You could have gone and read about it at OutKick. But now we're covering as all of this appears to fall apart. And I just have to say, why is OutKick probably going to be the only site that covers sports that will cover this story not being true? Just ask the question. And the answer is because it upsets many left-wing outlets if this story is not true. They want it to be true. And they are desperately hoping that it's true. And when the evidence starts to collapse around it, they'll just pretend that the story went away. They won't inform their audience of what the actual truth is. And I think that is an utter failure. But, on behalf of the sports media. But, the answer is, marketplace responds. Outkick's audience trusts us to be honest with you. We're not perfect. We're going to get some things wrong. It's a live website, live radio, live TVs, live uh, podcast shows. We got a lot of different content going out every day. Not saying we're going to be perfect. We're all human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to be honest with you. And that's why the OutKick audience is exploding and why outside of like ESPN and Bleacher Report, we're going to be one of the three or four biggest websites in all of sports within football season based on the trend lines that I see again August thank you guys for making August the best month we've ever had Um, okay let me give you all of my gambling picks really quick right off the top here game that I'm most interested in I know look I know Ohio State Notre Dame fantastic game I don't think that Notre Dame is ready I hope I'm wrong because I'd like to watch a great game I don't think that Notre Dame is going to be able to compete at a high level with Ohio State I just don't Uh, Marcus Freeman first uh, real big game I just don't think that Notre Dame is going to be ready I hope I'm wrong but the game I'm most excited to watch is actually Utah Florida because I think this is going to be a slobber knocker of a game I think that Anthony Richardson is going to come out play really well Florida pulls off the upset that is one of my picks I like West Virginia to cover against Pitt one of the great rivalries in sports after over a decade I'm glad it's back Um, I think Tennessee tomorrow I'm going to be in Knoxville is going to blow out Ball State. I also like the over because Tennessee's defense can't stop anybody. Uh, Penn State, Purdue. I like Purdue plus the points and the over in that one. Uh, I also like Cincinnati, Arkansas. Bearcats had a phenomenal year last year. They got physically exposed, I thought, against Bama. Gave up over 300 yards rushing uh, to Bama while only getting 74 themselves. I think Arkansas has their way with the uh, Bearcats in this opener out in Fayetteville. I like Arkansas minus six and a half. Troy, I think they keep it under three touchdowns against Ole Miss, cover against the Rebels. Oregon, Georgia, I'm going to go with the under here. Would you have ever believed 
uh, that we were going to end up with Dan Lanning, former defensive coordinator of Georgia, traveling back in his first game as a head coach to go head-to-head against Kirby Smart. I think both guys are big-time defensive coaches. Uh, Georgia is clearly the better team, but I think that we end up in this matchup with the under-hitting, under 53.5. FSU, LSU, no real idea what's going to happen here. Brian Kelly, uh, a.k.a. Nicholas Cage's character from Con Air, back roaring with his brilliant Southern accent. FSU, Mike Norvell, year, what is it, two or three? I can't even keep up with everything. FSU has not been very good ever since Jimbo Fisher left. Frankly, they weren't very good at the end of the Jimbo Fisher era either. But I like the Seminoles already having played one game plus a three and a half against LSU. Uh, Clemson, Georgia Tech. I'm not sold on Clemson. Offensive coordinator gone, defensive coordinator gone. I'm not convinced that DJ Uwalele, whose name I probably just mispronounced, is the answer that he's anywhere near what Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson were. Uh, I think the Yellow Jackets year four uh, of their head coach will end up in this position. Uh, and we are going to go 11-0 and 0 in this game. Uh, all the picks. They're all the picks. Just gave them to you. Uh, hope that all of you are going to get rich. Remember, I never lose a gambling uh, pick. Uh, a couple of other stories that I want to hit. I'm about to hop in my car and drive up to Knoxville. I'll be doing Clay and Buck Thursday, Friday. As I mentioned, Old City Sports Bar Thursday in Knoxville. For those of you who might be up kicking off college football season Thursday night in, uh, in uh, Neyland Stadium. Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We're continuing to roll. More coming back in a moment. But first, this. John Fetterman. A lot of talk. A lot of talk out there about who was nominated to be the candidates for Senate races in Pennsylvania, Georgia, uh, Arizona, um, uh, certainly in Nevada, in New Hampshire, which still remains to be seen for the Republicans there. The worst single Senate candidate in a toss-up competitive Senate seat in 2022 is John Fetterman. And that was before he had a stroke. Fetterman is a Bernie Sanders clone. He said he agrees with everything Bernie Sanders has said. He is against fracking. He is in favor of men being able to compete against women in athletics. He is a far left-wing loon. Got funded by his own parents in his 30s and 40s. Didn't even have a real job. They paid for his family to live. He bought his house from his sister for $1. He walks around in a hoodie acting like he is a common guy when in reality he's got rich parents and he is a rich kid pretending to be a poor kid in Pennsylvania, walking around in his hoodie and his shorts. The reality is this guy is the biggest fraud to be nominated for a statewide office in a competitive state in a very long time. And now he had a serious stroke. Now I hope that he gets better. I I, I genuinely do. I don't want anybody to be ill. I don't want anybody to be sick. But he can't even talk well enough to debate Dr. Oz. Your job in the Senate is to talk. I hope he recovers from his stroke, but it is unbelievable and it is absolutely negligent to allow him to run for statewide office for a six-year term when he's not even healthy enough 
to be able to speak in a race. He almost died in May. He should withdraw, get healthy, and then he can run for office again when he is healthy. Someone else should be put in his place, frankly. But even without his major health conditions, this guy is a Bernie Sanders radical. Dr. Oz should be the choice in Pennsylvania, okay? And if you aren't healthy enough to debate, we already had Joe Biden run a Senate campaign from his, a presidential campaign from his basement. How well did that go? The country is in a free fall because we got the worst president in any of our lives. He doesn't have the stamina, the fortitude, the intellectual heft, Biden doesn't, to actually be president. If we've learned anything, it's that health matters a great deal when it comes to the enormous stress that is brought to bear when you are in a position of prominence as a leader in this country. Frankly, Fetterman does not have the ability to do this. If he can't debate, he's not healthy enough to be senator. I wonder whether they're going to replace him for health reasons if he were to win. This is a scandal of epic proportions that Pennsylvania Democrats are attempting to pull on Pennsylvanians and on the nation. I hope he gets well, but if you're not healthy enough to debate, you're not healthy enough to be a senator. He needs to withdraw. You have to vote for Dr. Oz if Fetterman stays on the ballot, period. Uh, This is a fun story. That was a serious story, unfortunately. Gavin Newsom's own mother and father-in-law reportedly donated $5,000 to Ron DeSantis' campaign. Newsom said he was going to donate $100,000 to go after Ron DeSantis. His own mother and father-in-law, however, love what Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is doing. Now, if Newsom had a sense of humor, he would play this up because the reality is we're in a 50-50 nation. And the idea that his uh, mother and father-in-law might have different politics than him or potentially his wife, is not particularly shocking, right? Just not. Uh, If you are a normal person, you probably go to Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner with people who voted different from you. My family, certainly that is the case, um, has been my entire life. Half the people vote Democrat, half the people vote Republican. It's pretty much been that case my whole life. I think that's normal in a 50-50 country uh, if your family is reflective of the country at all. You'd have half people vote Biden, half people vote Trump. Um, Certainly, I am not a Biden person, right? But I love this because Gavin Newsom has been trying to go to war with Ron DeSantis, bought an ad. I was down in Florida, July 4th, turn on Fox News. Who's popping up there but Gavin Newsom? Um, All of this is crazy because Ron DeSantis has been right about everything. Ron DeSantis has been right about all of covid made all the right choices. That's why people are fleeing the state of California in numbers that have literally never occurred in the state's history. From 1850 all the way up to 2020, California increased population. Starting in 2020, people started to leave California. That's because people finally were fed up with the politics of one-party rule in California. And so my question for everybody out there is... Why is Gavin Newsom going after Ron DeSantis when Gavin Newsom got everything wrong with COVID, when overall crime rates are skyrocketing in California, and when Florida is probably the most fiscally sound it has ever been and gaining more residents than it ever has 
who are voting red. People are moving to Florida because of Ron DeSantis' leadership. And maybe a couple of them would even be Gavin Newsom's own mother and father-in-law who seem very, very fond of what's going on there. Uh, New COVID booster is out. I am reading from my good buddy, Dr. Marty McCary's tweet. The FDA has authorized a new Omicron booster. This is number five, by the way. Remember when I started saying, hey, how many total shots is this thing going to be before all is said and done? Five shots. We're now at five. Does anybody think it's going to stop at five? If the first, the second, the third, the fourth didn't solve the issue, do you really think the fifth booster is going to solve it? Spoiler alert, it's not. Uh, They're going to need a sixth. But this is wild. Dr. McCary tweets, the decision to sign off on this booster was based on eight mice. No human clinical data has been made available to the public. Uh, Dr. Marty McCary at Johns Hopkins says, why is the White House and Dr. Ja pushing so hard and universally without any public data here? That is, I think, a pretty significant question that deserves to be asked that has not yet, to my knowledge, been answered in a significant way. So, uh, again, you're welcome to go get the new COVID booster. I've had COVID, COVID at least twice, may have had it more, who knows. And I don't think the booster is very necessary for the vast majority of the American public. And if the first, the second, the third, and the fourth shot didn't solve it, What makes you think the fifth shot's going to solve it? Remember, they told you that when you got the first two that you would neither get nor spread COVID any longer. It's all a lie. So go get the fifth shot if you want. It's not going to solve anything, and it hasn't been tested very well. Um, Mar-a-Lago. There's a photo out of everything uh, uh, laid out. The FBI had time to stage a photo op of these classified documents that were evidently so significant, so dangerous, that they absolutely positively had for the first time ever to raid a sitting president. They put this photo out there. Everybody's going crazy. The blue checks, the left-wingers. To me, this is a sign that this story's over. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a desperate ploy to make the midterms about Donald Trump because Joe Biden has failed on the border, He's failed on crime. He's failed on inflation. He's failed on COVID. He's failed on uh, Afghanistan. Failed on Ukraine. Everything that Joe Biden has touched since he became president has gotten worse. And they are desperate to make the story not Joe Biden and try to shift it onto Trump. The fact that they are staging photo ops inside of Mar-a-Lago is, to me, a sign that this was a political charade, that Merrick Garland overplayed his hand, and this is already an unmitigated disaster for any idea that the Department of Justice was independent or uh, nonpartisan, okay? So, the big question that I've heard no one answer is, presume that Trump had these documents and they were dangerous and they needed to be seized that this wasn't just what I believe it is, a dispute with the National Archives over where documents were going to be stored, okay? Presume that this is all true. 
I've yet to hear from anyone why what Trump did is worse than what Hillary did, okay? Hillary, FBI came out, said they were clearing her, they were not going to charge her with crimes. Hillary's documents were on email, on electronic server, very much easier to hack, easier to have access, easier to distribute. These are all physical documents that theoretically would be difficult for someone to replicate and start to distribute digitally, okay? But what in the world is going on here as it pertains to this investigation? I think it's a total sideshow. The question that I would point out and ask of all of you is, look how quickly things pivoted to January 6th straight to the classified documents. Remember when Trump was going to get arrested for January 6th for, uh, for some form of conspiracy or for attempting to lead an insurrection or for sedition or whatever charges they were going to try to put forward against him? Look how quickly they pivoted to he inappropriately handled documents. Now, there are lots of discussions legally that can be had. This, to me, is now a non-story. I'm not going to talk about it very much. It seems quite clear it's a dispute over who deserved to have the right to these documents, the National Archives or President Trump. I believe Merrick Garland far overplayed his hand by authorizing this raid. I don't believe any charges are going to be brought over this particular incident. And I think the FBI, in staging this photo, has shown how transparently political their motives were. And again, I would just ask, how do you overcome the Hillary Clinton precedent. Just want you to think about that. If Hillary on her hard drive can have thousands of unsecured documents and the government comes out, uh, the FBI, James Comey, and says, I'm not going to prosecute Hillary Clinton for this, I don't understand how, based on that precedent, Merrick Garland or anybody, Christopher Wray, inside of the FBI, can decide to prosecute. A uh, fun story to close with, Pat Fitzgerald, Uh, says he would win a Big Ten bench press contest. I would love to watch this, all right? Back in the day, your boy could get up 275, which felt pretty good when you weighed around 180, right? 275 is not bad. I could get 225 multiple times, but there is no way uh, that I would turn off the television if we had every Big Ten coach and they sat out there and watched this bench press contest. I love the NFL Combine. I love watching these big, strong dudes crank out reps. Uh, And I would love to watch a Big Ten coaches bench press contest, and I do believe that Pat Fitzgerald might well end up winning that contest. Uh, All right, they're making a new, by the way, Beverly Hills Cop movie. I asked the question, Uh, as I prepare to hop in my car and head up to Knoxville and get ready for the start of college football season, Buck Sexton and I were having a really fun conversation uh, about Eddie Murphy's 1980s and how good he was and how incredible his performance was there. And I put up a poll question, which 5,000 of you have voted in so far. And that question is this. What's the best 1980s Eddie Murphy movie? I'm doing away with Delirious and doing away with Raw as two stand-up comedy specials. 
Uh, and the options I gave you were trading places, Beverly Hills Cop, coming to America, and 48 hours. We had Senator Marco Rubio on. He initially went off the board and went with uh, Shrek because of the donkey voice from Eddie Murphy. Then came back and voted for Beverly Hills Cop. That is Buck's choice. My choice, however, as the best Eddie Murphy movie from the 1980s is Coming to America. And it is the winner in the poll so far. You can go vote in that. You can have fun with it. Uh, I appreciate all of you for hanging out with me. Be live tomorrow in Knoxville getting ready for uh, college football's official week one kickoff. All the gambling picks are up on OutKick. Credit to everyone at OutKick who is doing phenomenal work. Thank to, thanks to all of you for making August the biggest and best month in the history of our site. We're officially rolling in with monster audiences just in time for football season. We will be one of the four or five biggest, in my opinion, uh, sports sites on the internet by the end of football season. This has been OutKick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I'll see a bunch of you in Knoxville tomorrow. Good luck to all your teams. Get rich kids with my 11 picks. See y'all.